Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for who you are, your amazing love and grace. God, I lift up a family that we built a house for in Mexico. Tanya, Jesus, and I, and little Jesus. God, I uh, pray that you bless them. And I thank you for how they blessed us. God, I lift up uh, this time to you, that this worship with the uh, beautiful sound in your ear, that our hearts would be fully focused on you and open to receive your word today. And I pray for those who aren't here, uh, the ones who, who are sick, uh, maybe recovering from surgery. And I pray that you just be with them, bless them, surround them with love and comfort. God, for all of us here, that um, you would give us the strength to take that next step in following you. Lord, I pray that we can accept the amazing love that you have for us and that we can respond as servants in your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat. If you guys would uh, come up and take the offering, we're going to... Um, we were really blessed by a family in Mexico that we built a house for last week. They were, um, their ability to show love, even through the language barrier, um, was, was beautiful. Uh, they, they, they hug you, they kiss your face, they, they weep uh, with joy and gratitude at, at the things that we did for them. Um, just an amazing uh, week that we had. And we're each going to share a little bit about a specific person in the family. So. Um, uh, so some of us will come up and share. Uh, let me go ahead. I'm going to share about Tanya, who was the mother. Um, when I look at Tanya, I saw a protective uh, person, hardworking, loving, fun, much laughter and smiles, and most of all, she gave great hugs. Um, every morning began uh, when, when she would come to the, to the house uh, out on the job site with us. It would always begin with a kiss on the cheek, a hug, and a greeting. Um, she would say, hola, buenos dias. Um, ask us how, we, how our night was, did we sleep well, you know. And each day basically ended the same way. Um, always a kiss on the cheek, hug, and, and wishes, well wishes for the night. Um, and always hasta mañana, see you tomorrow. Um, I, um, Tanya uh, was just a very godly woman and you could see that. You didn't have to talk, you, you didn't have to have a conversation with her. Um, you just, you could see straight into her soul, through her eyes. She was just a, a beautiful woman. Um, they, um, I'm sorry, I was able to witness a, a quiet moment um, with, between her and Anai, who is the daughter, 11 years old, and they um, had helped us paint, and I, uh, we all got paint all over us. I still have some. And uh, so there was a moment when Tanya took NIE to the water barrel, which is a huge barrel that they come and fill daily. Uh, it's water that they use outside of the house. It's not anything that they drink or anything. 
So um, she was helping her wash her hands to get the paint off. And they were giggling and playing in the water as opposed to just, you know, washing. So that was fun for me to see uh, the hugging and, and giggling together. Um, Thursday, um, she put out a spread of food, which was, was very expensive for them, but it was in appreciation for what we had done for them, and it was muy delicioso. Um, Thursday ended with a very tearful goodbye. Um, we, uh, so a lot, we got together and, and put together a photo album because you know we all had cameras and um, we share those and uh, put a photo album together and that was presented to them at that time um, so that they would have a remembrance of the week as well. Um, and they were very appreciative of that. But a lot of crying. It was a very rewarding week um, with them being with us uh, while we were able to build. It, it truly made a difference. The last time I went, the family was not able to be with us because of work. And this time they were able to, and it's incredible. They're just great, great people. There was one point where I had a, a little silver necklace, and to me that necklace, I mean, it was just a necklace because I have a lot of jewelry. And I was like, well, I think I'll give it to her because she didn't have any jewelry on, and I thought it'd be a nice thing to do. And she was sitting on a bench, so I went over to give it to her, and when I did, she teared up and smiled and said, Mucho gracias. And it was really, it was really sweet. It was a good moment. And she gave me one of those amazing hugs that she gives. And it was just really sweet. And when I was around her, I couldn't not smile because she, she was just that kind of personality, really bubbly and sweet. And it was, she was a great person. Tammy told you the daughter, uh, Anai, that's who we're going to be talking about this morning, and uh, she is just an amazing, beautiful um, little girl. She's 11 years old, and um, she immediately spread her love amongst all of us. I think we're all blessed very much by her and her spirit. Um, we look forward to coming to the work site and just immediately hearing your name. She would call your name. She, you know, she would say, "Corny, Corny," <laughs> and um, and one day, like her little, uh, I guess it would be your uncle, but there's not much age difference, so that's confusing. But um, he came up and he said, he said it in Spanish, and of course Heather was kind of our translator, and he said, um, "You know, Ana, he says she loves you very much," and. So it was, it was really sweet, and we got to share different things. Um, she liked seeing our belongings, like our camera. She loved looking through all of our pictures, and she took mine and ran with it for a couple of hours and started taking pictures of all of her, the, the things that she had inside of her house. So that was neat to see. And um, my phone, she, we, looked, we showed pictures of our family. Um, she, she liked to sing, so we all, she sang to us a couple of church songs, and then we all sang Beyonce with her because she loves all the single ladies. <laughs> um, and then I showed her Bella singing it, and she was like, oh, so that was a connection. Um, and she was great. Just her joy and her spirit and her love, there were no boundaries. There, there was no, you know, 
just no standoffishness at all. She was um, wonderful to work with. And when we had to leave her, um, my heart was broken because I wanted to take her with me, and her mom said no. <laughs> but she was completely willing to come with us. She was like, see, see. Um, but I was happy and and like full of joy because we had just built them home, you know, and just blessed them with that. But yet, I'm so sad that I, I won't see her. Um, maybe ever again, but hopefully one day. So. Um, along with Anai, there was her little brother, Jesus, who wasn't there all the time because he was always causing a mess. But um, <laughs> um, um, there, Tanya's siblings, Alexis and Marta, would come along and they would help out as well. And they were 11 and 14, I mean 12 and 14. And um, then all the little kids from around the area would come and gather too. And so one day we had craft time where they made little prayer boxes. And um, they just, I mean, it was just a simple little craft where they just put different like crosses and, and praying hand stickers um, all over it, um, this box. And it was just so cute. I mean, they took like an hour just to put these stickers on them and they kept grabbing handfuls to put more in their little box. And then um, we had gotten them a soccer ball. And while we were out playing soccer, they wouldn't let go of their little boxes. They wouldn't set them down for a second. And um, it was just precious. And we had um, our foreman translate the verse that was on the top for them so that they knew what it said. And um, we also did that same craft at the orphanage that we went to on Friday. And um, just to see all of their faces. I mean, we just, we have so much here and they have so little there, but they have more love than you could ever imagine. And just like one smile. I mean, it's, it's, there's no words to describe mm -hmm. it. Annie came up to me and said, um, she just grabbed me and hugged me tight and said, love you. <laughs> and um, so she does, and we love her too. Um, I'm gonna talk about Jesus, the dad. Uh, the, the day we got down there Saturday, we got to meet all the, fam the whole family at camp. And, um, he was really quiet. He just kind of stayed in the back and just didn't talk very much. But um, Monday when we started building the house, he got out there, but he got a hammer and he just started helping us put the frame and of the house up. And you could just see the sense of pride in his face that he was helping us build his house. Um, and as the week went on, the smile on his face just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And he, you could just see Jesus in his face every day. And he's just one of those rare guys that you don't come upon very much and he's just so he has so much pride in what he did and how he helped us and he's just an awesome guy so. I'm Dean I'm the last minute transplant I'm Sherry's brother Aaron's dad and I get the pleasure to talk about Jeremy our job foreman uh, he would take us out to the job site every day and uh, We'd gather around, he'd read scripture, and uh, we'd say our prayer, and we'd get to work. And he had the task of uh, trying managing three crews at one time, so everything got done, so it was ready for the next step. And uh, uh, he's been down there since about 2005. He was down for a year, and he went back home. He was a youth pastor in San Diego to start out. Now he's down there full-time helping build houses. And uh, they build... Uh, for six or seven weeks, they're building eight houses, eight to nine houses a week. So you can imagine 
trying to, you know, keep your spirits up as you're juggling, you know, each week 12 or 13 new people coming in trying to try to get a house built. He did a fine job. And he actually gave everybody nicknames down there. Bradley was no longer Bradley. He said, you don't look like a Bradley, you look like a Stanley. So he was Stanley for, for all week until till Thursday morning. So, but uh, we had a good time. And he just asked everybody to keep praying for them down there so they can continue to do the work uh, that they're trying to do. I just want to tell you um, that on Friday we had um, an opportunity for a free day and we spent that day to go to an orphanage. Um, we had the connection two years ago with our foreman on one of the homes and uh, they work full time now at this orphanage. And um, so we, we went where they have 39 children ages 3 to 17 and she explained a little bit on the way. I asked her, you know, how the kids become a part of the program. Um, most of the children there have been uh, sexually abused um, or their families can't take care of them. There was a mother of three who couldn't make it and she said, I can't take care of my kids and so she dropped them off. Um, she, the lady said there, it's not uncommon for these families to feel so completely lost that they will they'll sell their children um, in order to make ends meet. And so we went to the orphanage and where uh, is a safe haven for these children to, to be. They, they have a playground, they have a few things, but there is not much there and they, they are bored. Um, so we got there and the, our boys played soccer with, the, with those boys and got whooped pretty bad, <laughs> like eight to two or something. So they've been practicing, you guys need a little more practice. But the girls were inside doing crafts, and then the guys came in, the boys came in and did crafts, and um, then we just had a little bit of a circle time and sang songs. Um, they sang some in Spanish as well. And uh, then we played a game with them afterwards. And we only spent a couple of hours there, but you could see the, the joy in their faces and how just grateful they were for being able to, to just spend their time with other people and just have other people come in and care about them. not going to talk about the family because I haven't stopped crying and I probably wouldn't make it through. So um, I'm going to be talking about John 13. So if you have your Bibles, uh, now would be a great time to turn to John chapter 13. Um, while we were there, one of the, uh, each night we had chapel and, and one of the things that Scott, the leader of the Ensenada Outreach Center where we stayed each night, he, uh, he shared with us uh, the survey uh, that said, uh, a survey was done across, uh, I guess, America, and asked, you know, what word comes to mind when you think of a Christian? And, um, and some of the more popular answers um, were these. Judgmental, hypocritical, boring, old-fashioned, insensitive. And I, I kind of, I broke my heart, um, because I hope that's not us. I mean, I, I know that's not WCC. I know you, I know your hearts, and this is not us. Um, but maybe it's the uh, maybe the loudest Christians, the Christians that get the most publicity on the news, maybe. Um, but it's sad and it breaks my heart because this is not Jesus. This is not who we represent. Now, when you think about Jesus and the words that describe Jesus, he's not judgmental. He's loving. He's not hypocritical. He's the truth. He's not boring. He's radical. He's not old-fashioned. He's progressive in his time. He he moved people forward. <coughs> And he's not insensitive, he's compassionate. And so, 
I wonder how we get from that list to this list. Well, while we were in Mexico, they went around to the job sites and interviewed each family. What do you think of these Christians that are building this house for you? And so we have a little video. Son, son muy alegres y, y amables y trabajadores. Son muy simpáticos e sí muy trabajadores porque no pagan. Desde que llegas no pagan trabajar. Y muy platican, muy, muy sociables, muy alegres. Amables. Let's pray. Dear God, I, I thank you for the last week, um, for being able to serve like we did. I just pray that, uh, that we can accept the amazing love that you have for us and that we can respond and become your servants in your kingdom. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John chapter 13, verse 1 through 15. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all these things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew that he was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. 
When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Now this um, this story, this the story of the feet washing, has traditionally been understood uh, in reference to that last verse, verse 15. I have set an example for you that you should do for one another. And so it's, a, it, it's, it's known as a model verse. It's, it's something that Jesus modeled for us and we also should do. Now this was done on the night um, where we get communion from. You know, Jesus celebrated communion that night, and that's why we do communion. He told us to. All right? He also told us to wash people's feet. But we don't wash people's feet when we do communion. I don't, I don't know why that is. Why don't we do that? Um, but that's, that's not really the point. We're not really supposed to wash people's feet. The point is service. Right? That's not a, a literal, you're supposed to wash people's feet every time you take communion. It's, it's service. So, so we don't wash people's feet when we take communion but we are doing service all the time for Jesus. And so that's the point, being in service to Jesus. Um, now, now this act, um, Jesus taking out his outer garment, bending down and washing feet, was the lowest act of the lowest slave. Right? When, when he took off his outer garment, that's what slaves wore. Slaves didn't wear an outer garment. Um, and so he looked like a slave when he did this. And when he, when he knelt down to take their feet, this was a very embarrassing situation for the whole, the whole room. Um, see, this, this, this culture of respect that they had where, where they called Jesus Lord, we don't really have uh, lords in our, um, in our culture. It, it, it might translate to a celebrity, you know, someone that we put on a pedestal really high, and we don't expect them to come down and wash our feet, you know, wash our toilets. Um, so, so that's kind of what we can, what we can base this on. And so when Jesus does this, um, all the disciples are thinking, what's going on? This is weird. What, what are you doing, Jesus? Don't do that. You're not, you're not a slave. You, you are up here. You're not, don't put yourself down there. So it's a really embarrassing thing for him to come take their feet in his hands and wash them. And that's why Peter resisted. Peter said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Um, and so there's this misunderstanding, which we talked about in John. We have over and over again these people, uh, these Jesus being misunderstood. Um, but this, this model, it's not about washing feet all the time. It's about being known as servants. So this misunderstanding, we, we get a glimpse into that in verse 7. Jesus says, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And so I think there's more, another layer perhaps to this story that we need to, uh, we need to get. And Jesus goes on to say, you know, Peter kind of argues with them. And Jesus is saying, it's not about cleaning. You know, it's not about me cleaning your feet. You're, you're clean. Um, this is in, in the first verse. Or the, yeah, the first verse. It was to show them the full extent of his love. This has to do with love. Not being clean. Uh, it has to do with love. Now, to, uh, to look at, at a deeper layer of this, I think we need to look at how this story is framed. Because at the beginning, we have a verse. And at the end, we have a verse um, that puts the story in a context where um, it brings us to a deeper level of understanding. And that's verse 2, which says, The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. So we have betrayal. 
opening the story. And then the other verse is verse 38 at the end of the, the chapter. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Talking to Peter. I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So the story is framed by betrayal and betrayal. And it's in the middle of betrayal. Jesus knows this. He knows whose feet he's washing. He's washing the feet that are about to kick him in the face. And so this is, this is a really jarring picture, a really um, hard to, for us to grasp how intense this moment really is, this story, the way John writes it, how um, intense the full extent of Jesus' love really is. So I want, to, um, I want us to step into the story. I want us to um, participate in kind of a spiritual practice, a spiritual exercise, we call it a prayer. I'd like for you to... Um, Relax, let it all go. Uh, kind of clear your mind of everything. Maybe close your eyes. Focus on your breathing a little bit to, to just kind of clear your mind. Then I want you to um, focus your mind on something that, uh, that you're ashamed of in your life. Something in the past or something you're doing right now. Something that um, you'd be embarrassed if everyone knew. Something that makes you feel guilty. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's an addiction uh, to drug or drugs or alcohol. Maybe you're looking at things on the internet that you know you shouldn't be looking at. Maybe you uh, had an affair or are having an affair. Maybe it's an abortion that you regret. Maybe you're, you're hiding an eating disorder from everyone. Whatever it is, let it, let it come to the front of your mind. It's not comfortable. You're going to squirm. You're not going to want to do this exercise. But kind of focus on this thing. Maybe it's something a little more subtle, like um, you don't control your anger well. Maybe you're abusive to those you love the most. <coughs> Maybe it's something like you lie to get ahead. Or you're unethical with the way you handle money. Maybe you're controlling. Maybe you're ashamed or feel guilty about the way you treat your kids or your spouse or kids the way you treat your parents. Or maybe it's something as simple as feel guilty for not serving enough. Whatever it is, let it, let it uh, take it over your mind. And, and you'll know what it is because you'll, you'll want to avoid it. You don't like to think about these things. And let it, let it manifest itself physically. You know, like that pain in, in your gut. Or maybe... Uh, it affects your breathing or your face turns to a frown or wrinkle your forehead. You don't like to think about this. Okay? And, and you're there in, in your deepest guilt, your deepest shame, the ugliest parts of you. Then, in that shame, in that feeling where you're at right now, I want you to imagine Jesus, the infinite creator of the universe, removing his outer garment, taking on the appearance of a slave, bending down, removing your shoes, massaging your feet with warm water. It's not about being clean. This is the full extent of his love, a love so immense that no betrayal can stand in its way. And he's doing this not 
in spite of that betrayal, not in spite of that shame, but because of it. It's because he loves you. It's because that's what love does. Now you might you might be like Peter, you might want to resist. No, you're not gonna wash my feet. I don't deserve this kind of love. That's okay. Go ahead. You can resist it. But then I want you to relax and allow these strong, capable, gentle hands of Jesus to take your feet, to take you, the good and the bad, all of your darkness, and allow him to bathe your feet. We have to be able to receive this kind of love so that we can be a part of his kingdom. We have to be able to receive this kind of love at the point of our deepest betrayal. So he has all of you in his hands, the good and the bad. He knows that shame that you feel. And he loves you. This is the full extent of his love. Now the question is, can you accept that? Do you have the courage to accept that kind of love? And then, how will you respond to that amazing love? I hope that, that you do accept that love. I hope that you do um, realize that even in the face of betrayal, Jesus knelt down and washed his disciples' feet. And I hope that we are following Jesus. We are his disciples. And I hope that we respond to that kind of love by removing whatever it is, whatever outer garment that is that you're wearing that's keeping you from being a servant. Whatever the, the pride of, of not being able to, to, to serve at least of these, the, the things that get in our way, maybe it's material possessions or whatever it is in your life, you need to, you need to take off that outer garment. You need to bend down. And you need to be willing to wash feet. So we're going to stand. Um, and, and this is a time that we, uh, we make a decision in our service. We, uh, there's usually three things that people come forward for. It's either to accept Jesus for the first time. And if you haven't done that, we can talk about uh, what's all involved there. We, uh, we believe in baptism. So when you accept Jesus, you... Um, are baptized into him for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit and you're brought up to live a new life just like his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, another reason people come up is maybe uh, you are a Christian and uh, you've wandered away. You haven't been serving. You haven't been uh, living the life he's called you to and, uh, and you can come up to rededicate your life and we can surround you and help you uh, get back on that track. Another way is, is you're a Christian and you just... You've been on this journey alone, and you need a family. And we at Lisbeth Christian Church would love to welcome you into the family. We need you, and you need us. Uh, so those are three things that, uh, that people normally come forward for. Uh, you can also come forward for prayer or just to talk about things. Um, if you need someone to talk to, you can talk to me or one of the elders, and um, we can journey with you. So um, now is your time to make that decision. So come as we sing.